Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thank you so much for joining us for Positively Dad. My name's James Shaw. I'm your host, and I'm a dad. And we're so thankful that you've joined us on this journey. We launched back on March the 1st, and I'm just, it's been so cool to have so many of you tuning in and listening and giving us your feedback. And, um, and so thank you for doing that. We really appreciate it. I started Positively Dad earlier this year because I was just looking for resources for, for dads. And I am one, right? My wife and, uh, and I have a daughter named Naomi. She's seven. She's going to go into second grade here when the school year starts. And she joins us, by the way, on the end of every podcast. She does the Kids Corner, kind of giving you her perspective. And so it had been on my mind for a long time to start this podcast. And finally, uh, at the beginning of this year, I said, you know what? We're going to make it happen. And here's my goal in this is to look at things and have conversations around things that we probably aren't having to look at stuff just a little bit differently than we may be. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I support something or that that's the way it has to be. My job as the host of this podcast is just to bring the conversation to you so that you can make a decision on your own on what you think is best for you and your family. And today is an example of one of those days. I read a report recently that talked about uh, church and dads and families. And, and I'm going to be very honest and transparent with you. The last few years for me personally to engage in, in going to church and participating in, in, in things with my church has been a challenge. And it's not my church's fault. I, the, the place that my wife and I choose to attend, we're members. Um, uh, we enjoy that church. We love everything they do. We um, uh, you know, are, are friends with many people there, and and I deeply respect the staff and and the senior pastor of that church. The thing that's been a challenge for me is this political and faith overlap, and and I have struggled with that personally, where I look at certain things, and and, and look, we're just this podcast. I'm just sharing kind of my thoughts with you, so I, you know, I'm not going to judge you. I ask that you don't judge me. I I, I look at the. The, the overlap, though, and to me, there's a massive disconnect. There's a massive disconnect with what's happening in our country politically and then what I believe is a Christian. And that has caused me to step back a little bit. So then I saw a study that talked about dads and going to church and what happens to kids. And it's from Promise Keepers in the Baptist Press. And it says that, that if a father does not go to church, even if mom goes only one child out of every 50 will become a regular worshiper. Now, if the father goes regularly and, and the mom, it doesn't matter, mom goes or doesn't go, then two-thirds to three-quarters of those kids will attend church as adults. So that got me a little bit curious. And, um, and so I, I went and, and reached out to the pastor of our church, Calvary Church here in Clearwater, Florida. His name's Willie Rice. And I asked him about it. And, and to be fair and transparent, he said, you know, he hadn't seen the study. The numbers surprised him. He thought the numbers were high. And he does know, though, and believes that when a dad is engaged in, in, in church, that a child's participation will go up. And then the child, as they become an adult, is going to be more willing to be engaged in that as well. So why do a podcast on this? Because this is what I do now, right? This is we just have conversations. I let you listen, you take the information, and then you go make the decision that's right for you. That's the sole purpose of this. 
Uh, I don't have a narrative that I'm pushing at you. I was curious about it myself when I saw the study. And so what I did was reached out to someone. And, um, and so I'm going to invite you to listen to the conversation today and make your own judgments, right? Our guest is the senior pastor of the church where my wife and I attend. It's Calvary Church in Clearwater, Florida. His name is Willie Rice. And Pastor, thank you so much for joining us today on Positively Dad. Well, it's great to be here. And, you know, the, the reason I, I wanted to reach out to you and talk about this is, you know, I look at, I, I think about my journey as, as, you know, a father and when I wasn't a father, and I see, you know, the, the data that comes out, and it just seems really, really clear that a dad's engagement in, in church at some level is really, really important when it comes to the child's involvement and engagement in church, not only as a child and as they get older. So as a pastor of, you know, one of the oldest churches in, in Tampa Bay area um, and a dad yourself and a grandfather yourself, I'm just curious in your thoughts. So tell me, what is the importance of a, of a dad's engagement in church? Well, James, I'm happy to talk about it. And um, it, it isn't just, um, you know, an important factor. I think the evidence is suggesting it may be the important factor. It may be the single determinant. And whenever you mention that, you, you, you always want to qualify it and say, hey, that doesn't mean there's no hope for single moms. That does not mean we're, we're, there's no hope for the, the, the person who may be listening to this and, you know, doesn't go to church and so on. So we're, you know, hey, we're not saying that. But if you step back and you look at what is the single most important marker in determining whether or not one generation will hand their faith off to the next generation, a great deal of evidence is suggesting it's the faith of the Father. And I'm not sure I understand that or even know why that is, but it is an absolutely critical factor in looking at how you, uh, whether or not you can pass the faith on to the next generation. So it's not just a factor, but maybe the most critical one. Okay, so here you have a, a, a church that's been around a long time. Uh, your church has a lot of members, and I know you know you're, you and members of your staff run into these things where mom's going and dad just won't go. And and I'm curious about you know what how do you handle that? What's your advice? What what do, what do we do to inspire more dads to show up and participate? Well, again, there's there's two uh, two ways to go about answering that question. One is to try to encourage godly moms and godly grandmothers uh, not to not to be discouraged or overwhelmed because you know you can't change another person, you can't control another person. And hey, we look at Timothy. Paul spoke about Timothy, didn't say much about his father, but said the faith that lived in your mother and your grandmother. So it is certainly uh, possible to pass the faith along through the influence of godly moms and grandmothers, and, and there are plenty of stories about that. But while we can affirm that and talk about what moms can do and how important it is, we, we can't ignore the data either of the critical importance of godly men. And your second part of that question then was, how do we get more men involved? You know, a lot of people have written about this. Um, some have even called it the feminization of the church, where um, almost unconsciously sometimes we have allowed um, 
church services. We have allowed church programming to uh, to not really address the issues of men. And when we have, think about this, James. A lot of times in churches, we give this kind of mixed message. Like on Mother's Day, the pastor's message is, aren't moms great? Women are wonderful. All women are fantastic. And then on Father's Day, the message is, you guys are a bunch of scumbags. You know, you need to get with it. You're negligent. And, and it's almost... Look, I'm for challenging guys and getting up in their face, but it's almost like we have bought into a cultural narrative that um, uh, kind of feminizes what we're doing and doesn't recognize the importance of men, doesn't embrace that, almost wants to apologize for it at times. And I just think we need to get back. I, I, look, I, I don't. there's not an easy answer. How do you get more men involved in church? But I think speaking to men, challenging to men, uh, the churches, I think, that do it well are addressing the issues that matter to men. They will have opportunities where men can meet and have frank and open conversation about the issues that matter to men. So I, I think it's I, I think that's part of the answer. I read a thing recently that said that the obviously the most attended time at, at a church would be Christmas, second would be Easter, and the third most attended Sunday is Mother's Day. And I was surprised by that. Is that is that what you true. traditionally see? Well, Easter's bigger than us for Christmas, but yeah, they, they go like that, you know, Easter, Christmas, and then Mother's Day. Yeah, huge okay. day. All right. Father's so, Day by then, not so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what it said. It said Father's Day is blah. And and if you're in and, and you know you're right. You we go on Father's Day and we get the laundry list of all the things we're doing wrong. And so sure that might that could push you know some dads away or what have you. So it, you know as you as you lead this group this this church and meet with other church leaders from all over the world. You know, what are there specific things that you're seeing that are helping dads become more engaged? For example, I got an email this week from your campus inviting me to a men's group that I would attend if it yep, weren't yep. on a Tuesday when I'm traveling. And and so, yep. I'm, you know, is it things like that that you find are the most engaging I, ways to get men in? Yeah, I think so. Things that uh, that uh, and you don't have to be uh, false bravado here, you know, macho stuff, but you just have to deal with men where they're at and understand where they're at. You know, that you're referencing a Bible study we do early Tuesday morning that you try to reach to men before they go out. Um, you know, we're doing some men's events. I think some churches uh, are, who are doing men's conferences and they're speaking to the issues that relate to men. I, I think I think that's very, very important. Uh, and and not just beating guys up, but giving them real tools to deal with the sin in their life and uh, the challenges in their life and the uh, opportunities in their life. Is that maybe why some stay away is that they don't want to deal with that, and so it's just easier to not go? Maybe. 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 And, you know, we could open the door here, and it would take us into a much bigger conversation uh, of, you know, one of the things that I think really is neutralizing men in this generation is the prevalence of pornography, for instance, the challenge of that, the battle with that. I think the way in which you, when you're struggling with sinful temptation, which is now so prevalent that you almost assume it's universal, that, that people are, are struggling, uh, is shame. It's hiding. You know, it's it's to think that I'm a failure, um, 
you've been told you're a failure. So the easiest thing is to hide from church. It's like, I don't need that. I, I'd rather go just hang out and have somebody accept me for who I am. Well, we need to accept people for who they are, but we need to challenge them to do better. But we also need to, to, to understand what they're going through and, um, and, and be able to show real empathy, real compassion, and yet really challenge one another. So I think, I think that's a part of why some guys run and hide on the margins. Is that a blind spot sometimes for the church that you, you know, you want to be able to come in and feel free of judgment and get moving in the right direction and that maybe sometimes all you feel is judgment? Do you ever hear anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that's common. That's common. And, you know, it's that idea of, of speaking truth and love that our message is not one of condemnation. It's one of salvation. We have to talk about sin truthfully and honestly and candidly. But why are we doing it? Is it to condemn? Is it to beat people up? Or is it to show them there's a better way, uh, that God has a better plan for their life, and there's a bigger yes, there's a bigger pleasure um, than the one they're giving into? So, yes, I think it is a huge blind spot. Do you have an example? It's also, and James, I, I, I would also say, I'm sorry, Jay, I would jump okay. in and say, it, it's also what our the devil, I think, uses to say to people who are struggling, which is all they're going to do is beat you up. All they're going to do is make you feel guilty, which isn't necessarily true, you know. So you have people, I'm sure, on your leadership team and who, um, you know, reach out to you or or reach out to other pastors or staff members in your church. That They will. They'll come to you with the challenge. Pastor, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what's going on. Um, and you're, I mean, you might even be kind of the last resort type place. So what's, how, do you, how do you handle that on your team to engage people? Because I guess the reason I'm asking this question is because I feel here in 2019, when you look at our social world, you look at our political world and how divided that is, that, that it's just easier to walk away. And so if someone's going to yeah. come back or someone's going to engage, how do you, how, does you, how do you and your leadership team engage with someone so they do feel welcome because I imagine there's a lot of emotion going on inside, inside maybe when they come back. Yeah. I, 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 I think, you know, it is to show them the message of the gospel is a message of hope. It's a message to people who are already under condemnation, but it's a message of hope. There's a better tomorrow. There's a better future. I mean, the way in which we have to address, for instance, sexual temptation is to, is, to see the big picture is not God uh, trying to deprive us of great pleasure, but actually God wanting us to experience the greatest pleasure. And and it, it it's and I'm not just talking about sexual fulfillment. I'm talking about emotional fulfillment as well as physical. It's it's that God has a bigger yes uh, for us than the world could possibly have. So we don't want to push people away. We want to see a better future that could be theirs. So what, what if the dad says, you know, look, I, I, I was forced to go as a kid. I didn't like it. I'm not going to force my kids to go. Uh, they, you know, as they grow up, they can figure it out. You know, I would imagine that that is not a, a, a vision not that you would support horrible. for parenting. <laughs> so tell me about, tell me about how you challenge a dad with that type of perception. Well, I would tell him it's a, it's a prescription for disaster. I mean, and and we we don't even believe that. People say that don't believe it. You know, no one would say, 
Um, well, you can go to algebra class if you want to. I'm not going to force it on you because I had a math teacher, and, boy, she was tough. And, I, you know, I'm not going to force that on my kid. We get – we want our kids to have an education. We – you know, plenty of fathers uh, have – even to a point of detriment, um, um, uh, force their kids into athletics uh, and to say, hey, we want to help you be better. And 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 plenty of fathers do it in a good way because they realize, hey, that the, the, the kid has some aspirations. At times he needs to be pushed. At times he needs to be challenged. What in the world would someone think when it comes to a relationship with God, when it comes to a spiritual foundation? That is going to be the world view that will guide your child for the rest of their life. Oh, I'm just going to let them figure it out. You know, we don't believe what a person who says that is really saying is, I don't even believe it. Therefore, I don't really care if my kid believes it or not. And this idea of I'm going to let them figure it out. No, what you're doing is you are indoctrinating them in a secular worldview, in a non-Christian worldview. And I would just challenge a father, here, just know what you're doing. If Jesus told the truth, if Jesus told the truth, you're, you're off the hook if Jesus was a liar. So if, you're, if Jesus was wrong or a liar, you're off the hook. But if Jesus told the truth, there is such a thing as hell. If Jesus told the truth, he is the only way to have a right relationship with God. And if you don't instill that truth into your children, just understand you're sending your children and your grandchildren to hell. Hmm. No one wants to say that, but that's exactly what you're doing. You are setting them up for a life apart from God. And that is a disastrous thing. Parents not only should not be passive about whether or not our kids, and, and, and you and I both know, it's not just going to church, but but it's about being in the right atmosphere where you can build a Christian worldview for life. Hey, you can not only not be passive about it, you need to be a champion for it. You need to lay down some boundaries for it. And um, otherwise, you're just setting them up for failure. Well, I appreciate that. The The next thought is, I imagine it, um, you know, they could say, well, look, you know, I don't need to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. I can read the Bible at home. We can pray at home. We can do stuff at home. And yet the data, I mean, the, the data that I've seen and you've seen says, no, we got to go in and be active and participate. Yep. Yeah. So tell me Absolutely. what's the difference between I have a relationship versus being actively engaged? Because, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to play my hand here, but I believe it's biblical, and, and it flies in the face of the individualistic Western culture in which we live, which we want to tailor everything ourselves. We want our self-help physical regimen, our self-help, uh, you know, educational regimen, whatever. And we want a self-help spiritual regimen. New Testament Christianity isn't about you sitting at home and reading your Bible. That's part of it. Yes, it is private. It is personal. New Testament Christianity is about a gathering. It is about a public gathering with the people of God. It is about commitment to ministry. It is about the exercise of spiritual gifts, both yours and others upon your life. And this idea is, is it's absolute numbers for somebody. Well, we're going to stay at home and read the Bible and pray. I, I'm still waiting to meet that person. I'm still waiting to meet that person. That doesn't happen. 
if you want to pass your faith along, your kids need to see you involved. They need to see you serving. Um, one of the uh, so research I looked at some time ago, um, it, 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 you know, suggested one of the most important things is that your kids see you doing Christian things. They see not just going to church, but they see you doing things that non-Christians do not do. My father is a Christian because he gives in this way. He serves the poor in this way. We go on a mission trip and build houses or do a medical mission team or whatever the case may be. Your kids need to be able to look at you and say, my father does this because he is a follower of Jesus. And they need to see the meaning and value of that for them to believe it is real in your life. So what I hear you saying is, look, it's not we're not checking off boxes here. Going to church on Sunday morning doesn't check off a box, and just sitting at home and reading the Bible and praying together doesn't check off a box. You're talking about a way of life and that these are important pieces of that, that this is if this is who you are, if you're going to define yourself as a Christian, a Christian engages in 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 weekly uh, a service of some kind of gathering, and then they engage in something privately, and that's a way of life. That's what you're saying, and and our kids notice that. Absolutely, yeah, kids are smart. They're intuitive, for and 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 so that's why going to church isn't enough. And what you're saying is absolutely true. The data is suggesting, hey, it's kind of like a primary. Uh, foundation. It's a baseline that kids are looking at. It's very important to actively, not just occasionally, but actively involve in church. And then I would just push beyond that. Don't just let it be a spectator thing. Let your kids see you involved in Christian ministry, Christian activity. And, and, and by the word Christian there, it's distinctively Christian. And your kids realize this is what we do because we are followers of Jesus. We serve the poor. We volunteer in this area. We teach children. We mentor in schools, whatever the case may be. We do this because we are Christians, and they see that it's real. It's not just, as you said, checking off boxes. Now, I imagine that it helps uh, a relationship with your with your wife and the mother of your children, especially if she's someone engaged. the The data that I looked at, and I don't know if you've seen it, is that the I mean, churches are losing men more now than they ever have. in In the before the in like the, before the nineties, it was the data I found was a about a forty five to fifty five percent split men to women where the most recent data I looked at was like 37 to 63% split men to women. And, and I know you don't have that in front of you and you may not be familiar with it. And yet, is that something that you've noticed that, that men's engagement in church is dropping? And you know, if so, does it concern you? What are your thoughts? Well, if so, yes, it would concern me. And it may be, I have not noticed that discernible trend right in front of me. Um, I, uh, at for instance, at the church I pastor, I don't have the number in front of me. If you had asked me, is that a trend? I would not have said yes. Okay. I, I think I don't see it as trend. My hope would be, and it might be, that the variance here, and and I could be way off on this, is that where you are seeing 
uh, churches that are not effective in mission and not effective in evangelism and not effective in Bible teaching, you're, you're looking at a lot of mainline churches that are declining and dying. You're looking at a lot of churches that are off mission. You know, women may be the last to check out in some of those places. Men might be the first to check out and women the last to check out. And the flip side of that would be, hey, if you're seeing churches that are are engaged and mission and growing and healthy, that men aren't necessarily checking out of those. At least I don't see it here. Yeah, well, and you, I mean, you, the, certainly the church that you pastor is not one that's declining. It's it's one of the most successful churches probably ever in in Florida, and is growing and and more people are engaging and you're expanding. So, you know, that brings a whole new dynamic to it, which is how does the church itself relate to families and support families and and you know then you get into the programs and things like that. So, I, I guess how what what's the church's responsibility? in helping support the engagement for families in the church? Well, I think the key is to lead um, into rising generations. Uh, and, and let me say what I... The temptation of churches is always to drift into a maintenance mode. I've always said you can classify churches in one of two categories. They're either in maintenance mode or mission mode. They're, they either have a mission that is organizing them, motivating them, or they're just in maintenance mode. And churches that are in maintenance mode are like, how do we keep the people we have here? Uh, how, do we, how do we recreate what, what it was 10 years ago or 15 years ago? And you fall into that, and, and we battle that temptation. You know, people say, oh, I, I liked the music 15 years ago, or I liked it back when we did this. Uh, as opposed to leading forward and leading downward. Forward means you're thinking about tomorrow, and downward means you're thinking about the rising generation. All ministries are not created equal in, in terms of their importance to the mission of the church. I'm not saying they're unimportant. Some might be. But when I talk about, if you, if you put ministries in front of me and say, is there a, um, is there a, a prioritization of this? Absolutely. And I'm going to prioritize ministries that reach the next generation. I'm going to prioritize every time ministries that are reaching kids and students. And, and, and I think now we, we really need to think about college students and that 20-something demographic. And, and churches don't want to do that because that's hard. That takes work. Sometimes the return on investment isn't immediate. Uh, it takes unselfishness. It's so much easier just to preserve what you have, particularly if you've had a great deal of success. But James, there are churches all across this country who can show you pictures of where they were 25 years ago or 50 years ago. I, just yesterday, I was in a meeting um, of, a, of a man who had talked about a church he had taken over in another state. It was down to 18 people. And he showed us the picture of the same church, 600-seat auditorium. They had 18 people coming. And he showed us the picture of it. It was taken like in the 1950s. It, just, it was classic, like 1953. Everybody had a dark uh, suit and tie on. Women had dresses. I mean, and the building was packed. It was packed. And he said, I call this picture from the era when Baptists ruled the world. That's what he said. Uh, he's at the Baptist churches. We were packed. Everybody was coming. 
And he said, but when I got that church in the, in, you know, the early 2000s, there were 18 people. That change happens not overnight. It happens over time, and it happens when churches shift into maintenance mode, which is let's keep who we've got, let's preserve what we've got, instead of the mission mode, which is to reach the people who are not coming and to reach a rising generation. That's a long answer, but it's about, hey, stay on mission. And churches that are on mission, I believe, will attract men, and churches that are on mission will attract young people as well. Yeah, so it gets the families in. Well, it reminds me of the church we attended before we moved down here, uh, the summit. You know, the summit up in in North Carolina. And, of course. And yes. and you know, I mean, My it shrunk to basically yeah. nothing. I mean, it, it shrunk to basically nothing. And and Pastor JD's, you know, thought was, well, we're going to engage college students. And now look what's happened to that that whole, you know, right. that that whole organization. Okay, and now, so. And, and, yeah, and now they have far more than college students. You know, they're reaching oh, everybody. But it yeah. was because they went, they began to reach the people that were not there. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, so to put a bow on this, and again, I appreciate your time. If if you're, what I'm hearing you say is that if 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 I'm going to re-engage in a church, let me look for one first that makes sense for me to engage in. Are they kind of maintaining, like you said, and just this is how we've always done it, or are they purposely looking for um, to engage with the future, which would be my child, my children, my kids, and 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 yeah, and yeah. is there a way to make sure that they're that we're reaching out in the community and actively involved? And and that would be if I'm if I'm not currently attending and I'm looking for a place to go, maybe look for a place that's like that that's reaching out and has stuff for families and kids to really support that upcoming generation. Yeah, and I don't want to be a voice saying to somebody who's you know in a church that's that's struggling. Hey, you, you jump off the ship. I'm not that guy. In fact, we're working, as you know, very hard to help revitalize some churches in our area. And I believe there's a huge future for smaller and medium-sized neighborhood churches. I think there's a huge future for that. So I, there are families in there saying, hey, we're you know we're investing. Our kids are right with us. That's fantastic. I don't I don't want to be the voice saying, hey, go to the coolest church with the, the slickest program. Yeah. But I would want, as a dad, to know, you know, does this church and are the leaders of this church, are they serious about, let's reach the next generation? And I'll get in here and be a part of it, but let's reach the next generation. Let's be, let's, let's prioritize that. That's what I would be looking for, whatever the size is. You know, do I have some people here who are with me and helping to invest in the next generation? Got it. Well, thank you so much, uh, Pastor, for joining us on Positively Dad. You know, my here was the thing from this. Again, I was uh, the, the the study that I referenced at the beginning of the podcast got my attention, and um, you know, I'm going okay. I have challenges myself that I've got to come to terms with, figure out, talk to church leaders about, and not be passive about. And at the same time, I've got to create the environment for my daughter, if she chooses to, to become a Christian, if that's important to her. And, um, and that's why I asked the question of the, well, I'll just let her decide. And, and you heard him, right? Pastor Rice said, um, you don't let them decide algebra. So just, you've made a decision as a family to be a Christian. It's your responsibility to, do, to, to take her and to engage and participate. So um, anyway, I trust that you got a little bit of value today out of that conversation. And again, this is my goal is not to go 
thrust my beliefs on you. That is not why I do this podcast. The podcast is about conversations with people so that we can make decisions. We're 21 or 22 episodes in, and every single one of them has been about that and will always be about that. And so I trust it added some value to you. All right. Well, as we wrap up, we're going to wrap up the same way we always wrap up, and that is a conversation with Naomi. She's our seven-year-old daughter, and we invite her on to do the Kids' Corner. She talks about whatever in the world she wants to talk about. So here she is. Here's the Kids' Corner. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids' Corner with your host, Naomi. Hello, this is Naomi Shaw, and today we're going to talk about practicing your headstand. So when I learned to do my headstands, that was today because I kept practicing and kept doing it and I never gave up I just took a little break because my head is starting to hurt and I just I just practiced until I did it right that's it for me on this corner have a great day bye you know what you know what's so fun about that we just spent all this time having this serious conversation and Naomi gets on and she's pumped up because she did her first headstand today and, and it's just so much fun to get the perspective of a seven-year-old. Now, there's a lot in there, right? I kept practicing until I got it right. Gosh, we could do a whole podcast on that. And yet the perspective of a child sometimes can just make you smile, right? I want to thank you again. I, I, I think that the conversation we had today is earned, and we're 21 episodes in, and so I said, you know what? We're going to go for it this week. And so I appreciate everyone who's listened this whole time, and for those of you who listen today, Um, And I do appreciate your open mind. As always, I value your feedback. You can find me on social media all over the place. Just search Positively Dad on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can um, email me, james at positivelydad.com. And um, and let me know what you thought or if you have something to share. Uh, Maybe you know of a guest we should have on the podcast. I'd be happy to do that as well. And then I'd like to remind you that on Thursdays, we do a dad talk episode. So this is where we'll uh, find a dad and we'll talk to him about being a dad and whatever his situation is. Those are a ton of fun. So look for those coming up every Thursday, the dad talks. And then we'll have our more traditional podcast episode comes out every Monday morning like this one here. Again, I thank you for listening to Positively Dad. Value your feedback and we'll look forward to talking to you next time. Have a good day. Bye-bye.